0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk show Recorded live.
1: Yes, peace and love. Thank you for chiming in tonight. This is Domestic Violence Where's Many Tags Organization Talk Show, the abuser side talk show. And tonight um, we're going to be talking about the tag of verbal abuse It's going to be the first segment, and then the second segment will be the warning sign of an abusive personality, which will be intimidation, um, and how those two collab as one um, in a relationship that is balanced. Um, And tonight, we definitely want to, if you want to ask questions, you can post your questions in the chat room, or of course you can... Um, text your questions to two zero two eight two one eight nine three three. This is an anonymous uh, talk show, so if you we're going to open the lines and ask if you want to, because there may be somebody who wants to, but if you don't want to, you don't have to. Don't feel no pressure here because everything that we like to do is anonymous. Because I know that um sometimes abusers when they get wind of what victims are trying to do, and we're going to have victims and abusers on the call tonight, but when victims get wind, I'm sorry, when abusers get wind of what victims trying to do, help themselves um, participate in education as it pertains to domestic violence, abusers don't like that. So, and it can cause the victim to get killed so or get beat badly, and we certainly don't want that. So this is an anonymous call, anonymous talk show, that we do, but we want to educate. We want to educate because that's the way to break the cycle of domestic violence, giving the victims the education, giving abusers the education to break that cycle for themselves. And there has been um, reports and research that show many of the abusers were victims at some point in their life, okay? But they've taken on the behavior of, so to speak, the aggressors, Okay. And sometimes they learn it in the household. Sometimes they learn it outside of the household, in the environment. They can pick it up that way and become aggressive. Um, Is it a lack of self-esteem, a lack of buildup, lack of confidence? Yeah, it probably is. You know, I always get that question. Why? Maybe we can answer some of the why questions for our guests that are on with us tonight, brothers and sisters that are chiming in. Hopefully we can answer the why questions. Chris Bond and I always do ask that you get your notepad and take your notes. If you're living with your abuser, take your notes in secret. Take your notes and memorize them. Memorize the information that we're gonna give you tonight. You should memorize it anyway because um you should memorize it anyway because um because it's important to have this information within you and if you come across somebody who may need it you'll be able to um, advocate to them about the abuser side. We always talk about the victim side. What about the abuser side? The only way we're going to end domestic violence is we have the victim and the abusers together, okay? Educate them on domestic violence and the many tags that it wears. Educate them on verbal abuse. I'm sorry, educate them on the warning signs of an abusive personality, and that's two separate things. The tags are verbal emotional, physical, financial, and sexual. Those are the tags. Then the warning signs, can. there's 11 warning signs, and Chris and I, we're not going to go into them all tonight, but we're going to start off with intimidation, of course, controlling behavior is a warning sign, jealousy is a warning sign, quick involvement, which is the number one warning sign, which says that we get involved with people too quick. We get involved with people that we don't know their mental history, their emotional history. We don't know it, and we end up in relationships with people, and then we find out they're abusive. Well, we should have posed some very fine questions, and when we saw the warning signs, we should have uh, really taken those warning signs into consideration and not get all emotionally and sexually involved with somebody that we don't, that turns out to be an abuser, trying to control us financially, sexually, physically, emotionally, verbally controlling us, okay? Um, Chris, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us why this call is important for you?
2: Well, my name is Chris Barnes. Uh, Good evening, Queen of Feet, and fellow listening audience, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I'm an advocate for the awareness of domestic violence. I advocate from the perspective of the male ex-abuser, and this call is important to me because it's an educational resource that I notice a lot more people need these days. So I come here Third Thursday every month along with Queen of Feet. And we not only here, we're in other places too. But we come here the third Thursday of every month to bring you this segment so you can get an educational piece into your system and also to provide you with a resource to excellent your abusive behavior.
1: Yeah, so tonight, Chris, of course, we're going to jump back into the of thing. And I come as a victim as well as an abuser, but today I am the abuser. I'm sharing my abuser side of the story because, um, well, not because, as a woman that abused men that have abused women that have abused my children, I come sharing that perspective of it along with education because I'm a mental health professional as well as um, the founder of Domestic Violence with Organization. So I come with that side of it. There's um, not a lot of mental health professional and therapists who's going to admit to being an abuser, uh, but Queen does because that's real. That's my story, uh, and I'm not ashamed of it. Um, the other thing is I'm not going to try to help an abuser and – you know, not be open to maybe some of the things that I have done in my life that could have been abusive towards somebody else. I got to get real with me before I can get real with helping abusers with their behavior. It could be woman, man, teen, pastor, uh, 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 mother, father, sister, brother, uncle, cousin, uh, the police. Uh, uh, The abuser can be anybody. The abuser has no profile. It has no profile. The abuser doesn't look a certain way. The uh, only way we're going to figure out if that's the abuser, not is if, if we get to that behavior. The behavior would tell. And, see, sometimes that verbal abuse comes off so smooth, Chris, you know, that we can't tell it up front. So, Chris, being as though that you are an ex-abuser of women, right I have a question for you.
2: Okay.
1: What what does the verbal abuse look like to a person that it may be smooth? You know, is there some warning signs there that we can tap into when somebody may be appearing to be smooth, you know, and not abusive?
2: Well, he's appearing to be smooth, but is he appearing to be smooth to you, or is he just a mellow type of dude? Uh, I'm saying he because I'm a male, but this is unisex. Everything I say, even if I put a gender to it, is unisex. Is he's smooth with everybody. You know, some people just lay you back. So lay you back. If they was any more lay back, they'd be sleep. Some people are one way around some people and one way around other people. So, again, behavior doesn't lie. If he's this way around you, but when he's talking to his kid's mom or to his mom, He's aggressive with words. He's vocally uh, expressive in a negative way. He yells. He cusses. Things like that. Nine times out of ten, you're going to end up reaping some of that because he's not going to give it to his mother. A man is not going to treat his mother better than he treats you. So if he disrespects her, he going to disrespect you. Uh, another one the would be, does we're speaking of verbal abuse. So let's go with that for now. How is he around other people, not just what he with you? That's what you need to look at. And you need to look at it for a period of time. Not a week, not two weeks, but look at it for six months. And watch him interact with folks, his kids, his kids' mom. Um, if he gotta go to court and you go to court with him, how does he talk to the judge? You know, all these things matter. You know, we might let you say, well, why would that matter? I'm not his baby mother. He wouldn't talk to me like that. But he would. Because if he'd do it alone, he'd do it all.
1: I think you make a good point there. Because you said watch how the person talks to their family members or to their friends. And the other thing is you said that makes sense to me and I've seen it firsthand is if that person don't have a good relationship with their mother, they definitely might not have a good relationship with you as a woman. Chris, how, I mean, do women think, do we Do we as women think we can change that, brother?
2: Oh, everybody thinks they can change somebody. You know how many women I thought I could change out here? Even by busting them upside the head, I'm going to change you by hook or by crook, but I'm going to change you. And we're not together, and they're still the same. <laughs>
0: Oh,
2: yeah, for real. They still the same. Well, they might have progressed, but they progress because of them, not because I made them progress. Nobody has the ability to change. Nobody. I mean, my therapist can only recommend and suggest. I have to make the decision and agree to make change. You know, it's up to me to take my meds. It's up to me to i take a daily time out to meditate. It's up to me to put the things in place in my life. That's going to make me competent, stable, and focused to be able to maintain a relationship, maintain a job, and all that kind of stuff. So the decision is on the person. You can't marry a man, ain't going to make him change. Marry a woman, ain't going to make her change. If he's not carrying the groceries in the house now, he's not going to carry me in there. If he's not opening the door for you now, He's not gonna open the door. So if you agree to marry somebody that's doing or not doing something, and you think it's gonna start or stop, got news for you: it's not. Right,
0: that person is
1: pretty much what you see. is. It is it pretty much what you see is what you're going to get.
2: Yeah, pretty much. And if the person is doing negative behavior, and you marry the person, the negative behavior. You know, every now and then he go play cars and smoke weed or have a drink with the fellas, go ahead and marry him. He going to be playing cars every weekend, drinking extra more, extra more, drinking more than he normally did. You know, these behaviors don't just stay the same. They gravitate and gradually get worse. You know, we we do these things because, yeah, perhaps there's some enjoyment in them. But when you mix a violent temper and some alcohol together, you get such a sense of cell block.
1: Right. I have to agree with you on that one because I know me being an abuser of men and drinking, like, it, it was just over. I mean, me, Remy Martin, and that person over there, we just battling. And I actually the, the thing is with me and alcohol is like it made me delusional. So I'd be seeing something different probably really wasn't going on but my mind you know at that time I'm thinking that that's what's going on and I got and I have my mind and my strength my anger and rage every my whole my whole mindset is just made up that this dude over there smiling at another girl you know what I mean so I just just cut off just like that because alcohol was truly involved it was truly involved Now there was times where I was not drinking and stuff where I still would pop off. But if I had some alcohol, that would enhance my anger and my temper and my rage towards that man. And if the girl won't get involved, all of us can get down too, so it don't even matter. But um, that, that stuck out to me when you said that, the alcohol is alcohol. So if substance is playing a part in it, the verbal abuse is going to be amped up 30,000 times more so where the person is sober and may not talk because you know for whatever reason when they don't drink they don't talk but as soon as they start drinking you everything under the sun I mean you just all day long you're a bee you're a bee, or you're a hoe you're a slut you know you're all of these things to the abuser you know when that person is on substance, at least for some people that I know. There are some cases where I'm sure substance just make the person shut down. They don't say anything, you know, and that is abuse too. That's emotional abuse too. But um that stuck out to me, Chris, when you say that. So verbal abuse as a tag of domestic violence, which means is we see verbal abuse a lot in these relationships. Chris, now, you may not and I may not have initially started the verbal abuse, right? We may not initially go into a verbally abusing somebody. Um, but is it a time limit on when we begin to abuse as abusers? Is it a time limit when we begin to, you know, victimize that victim with with verbal abuse?
2: Well, yes and no. There is a time limit, but that time limit varies from person to person. Some people might come out with it immediately. Some people might let it mellow for a month or two. Some people might let it mellow for a week or two. You know, that's why we say six months, eight months, a year before we put a title on two people, call them, that's my man, that's my woman, oh, I'm going to marry her, I'm going to marry him. Nah, you know, it, it, it lies in wait. It's kind of like a virus. It'll lie dormant for a while. And then at the right time, it just shows you, it raises as we head. And if you're not paying attention, you're going to be caught off guard. But if you're paying attention, hopefully you'll see the red flag and you can make your move and be out before the actual event occurs, because, again, you've been paying attention. You've looked at how he talks to his mom or how he talks to his kid's mom. You've looked at how he talks to his boss and interacts with his friends. You know, you've uh, monitored some behavior and saw that it was consistent or inconsistent, and based on these few things, not these few things alone, but based on these few things, and some other factors you include for your personal relationships. You decide, do I stay or do I go? And every day, I'm not going to say every day that should be a question, but that should be a constant evaluation. And I'm one who got into a lot of quick involvement relationships in my life. Ninety percent, over 90 percent of my relationships have been quick involvement. And now that I'm at the point where I'm slowed down and I'm really evaluating the processes and the things like that, you know, it, it, it makes a big difference, to be honest with you. So, it's no need to be in a hurry. If the person was a name for you to be with, then the person's going to be there. It's no need for you to rush. Oh, God, he's the perfect person. i got to marry him tomorrow. Okay, go ahead. Marry him tomorrow. Then, in a couple of weeks from now, see how it is. And then, a couple of weeks after that, keep on taking the evaluation not let's not be misled. Some people get married after two weeks and stay married, I believe for thirty years, then little wrong decides are gonna be for personality up in their relationship. I'm not knocking that. I'm not suggesting that either. That's
1: a very good insight right there. Um, if you again if you're just joining us, this is domestic balance with many tag organization, um The Abuser Side talk show tonight, and tonight we're educating on verbal abuse as being a tag of domestic violence, one of the number one tags of domestic violence, as well as we're going to educate some more on um, intimidation, being a warning warning sign of an abusive personality, that person verbally intimidating you, you know, is that is that is that gonna be a healthy relationship? Is that something that you can call, you know, a really good relationship to be in? And this is this this goes down to our teens, this goes down to our moms and dads, this goes down to relationships on your job, you know, your supervisor co worker relationships. Do you see the verbal abuse there in your church family? You know, certain people you hang around. Is it a lot of verbal abuse? Are you always in a circle of people where you might feel like somebody's doing drive on you verbally, you know, or you might feel like somebody's putting you down or, you know, just not making you feel comfortable in your environment? Now, remember, you're going to work. You're going, you might be going to church. You might be going to the mosque. You might be going to the um, Hindu temple, wherever it's at. See, because abuse don't have no profile. Keep that. I want y'all to write that down there on your wall somewhere, and write it in your heart somewhere. Abuse do not have a profile. Okay, it can be anybody who can be in abuse. Okay, um, the one man that I don't know, and that's Jesus. Other than that, it can be anybody. Now, um, the other thing is, is with verbal abuse as parent as the parent-child relationship, Chris. And I've seen a lot with the parents, and even I've done it, threaten the children, you know, what goes on in my house, stay in my my house. For me, that's a threat. You know, I brought you into this world, I'll take you out. To me, that's a threat. Um, And especially I brought you into this world, I'll take you out. It's a whole lot of young people now and older people who have been raised with that same, you know, I brought you into this world, i take you out. What you saying? Really think about what you're saying. You might think you're coming from a love space, but trust and believe. That child might not be receiving it like that. The child could be receiving it from a threatening place, so just be careful with that piece right there, okay? Um, and then you have some children, some parents who say, little mother, get your effing tail over here, your effing butt, your effing butt, your this, that, your son of a a B, your son of a butt, 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 butt. Parents who do that, okay? And then you have parents who may be just emotionally damaging the child by just ignoring them, you know, and, 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 and whatever the child comes to them with, little children ought to be seen and not heard. That's another one that a lot of young people and older people are being with some of these particulars. So with the parent-child relationship, Chris, how severe is it that that child, if that child is being verbally abused or if that child is being ignored?
2: I mean, it's very severe. You know, we see kids that exist in all types of environments and with all types of characteristics. So, you at Walmart and you see a child, the mom's popping the child aside the head, but the other sibling is sitting there, Ooh, mommy, next, next, can I be next? And you look at that and you say, That's crazy. Why is that child asking for that? But when you think about it, that's probably the only time that child gets attention is when it's negative. So, they seek the negative attention out because they want attention from their mommy um, or their parents, should I say. You know, then you have a situation where, like you said, the, the the parents said things like, I brought you in this world, I'll take you out. You know, that right there sends a bad message. My mom was uh, famous for saying that. Matter yeah. of fact, I think she still says it to me to this day. Um, but she, that was one of her famous things. you know. I appreciate the fact that I got corrected before I had kids. So my children have never experienced me saying any of those crazy things. They've never I have never really raised my voice and yelled at my kids. Um, I've never issued out a spanking at once. You know, I've learned corrective therapy and how to sit down and talk to them and get them to perform. Um, through several different methods, which we can discuss at another time. But when you have a child that you're isolating, or when you have a child that you're abusive to verbally, physically, emotionally, you know, that can reflect in their grades, that can reflect in their relationships, that can uh, be one of the reasons why they're fighting in school all the time. You know, there are a lot of uh, repercussions behind this behavior, you know, but we're afraid as a person, we're afraid to take our kids to see a therapist, we think both tears for crazy people and there ain't nothing wrong with our kids. But when you an alcoholic, daddy is a drug addict and kid have to fit for itself, and you think that's normal, then you know, it's a problem. A growing
0: problem. Right. It's it it is. It is a problem. Um I heard that in
1: my house a couple of times too. I bought you in this world. I take you out. I heard that in my house a lot, and and I went away thinking about like, what you mean? You brought me in this world You take what you saying? You don't want me? You know that was my thought. Or what? I'm I'm not supposed to come to you, or should I be scare you? You know, those were my thoughts at a child hearing that saying right there. I bought you in this world. I take you out, and you know, granted. You may think that you're coming from a love space with that. But me as a child, I know I took it as a threat when I was a little girl. I thought about that thing. Chris, did you perceive it as a threat or did you just go along? I know you know what it is today, but as a young child, did you perceive it as
2: a threat? I was perceived it as not my mother was going to kill me, but she was going to beat me so bad, I probably wish I was dead because I got a, a crazy amount of spikes growing up.
1: Right, right, okay. Well, I'm afraid of that one. I'm, I'm truly afraid of that one right there. I mean, because that one, I mean, it really does send a child wondering, like, are you saying you're going to kill me? I mean, are you, like, literally, are you really saying that you're going to kill me? You know. Or it confuses, does not confuse the child? Because you saying one minute I brought you in this world, I take you out, and then, you know, the next day you might be saying, I love you so much. I mean, are we confusing the child at that moment? Are we doing emotional damage and verbal abuse?
2: We are. We are. We are because I don't know what to believe. I believe you're going to kill me or you you love me. Um, you're going to hurt me or you're going to make me happy. You know, and this translation to our adult relationships. You know, you start quoting crazy things to your mate. You know, and this, it becomes a a lifelong process, you know. You might even take it on to your job. You know, the behaviors that you learn as a child, you carry through school, high school, college, and you carry them on to your workforce. Now, some of the behaviors keep you from progressing so far as work because you don't make it into college because your behaviors are so extreme. But when you are constantly telling your kids, one thing, then switching up, telling them something different. You know, it, it's confusing. It's chaotic. And psychologically, kids believe it because when they mess up, the first thing they say is, "My mother about to kill me. You know?
1: Right, right. Um. Once again, we're talking about verbal abuse. In this segment, we're going to be moving forward to our next segment with intimidation. I mean, why does the abuser get to intimidate? the victim. Um, what what makes that abuser, whether it could be woman, man, teen, in the teen relationships they t- intimidate each other all the time, you know, and um they say verbal abuse to one another, but this is the same person who you supposed to care about, who you, you know, supposed to care about you, but this person is able to call you all type of sluts and hoes and b-words, and I ask the teens, you call the person back. This person that cussed you out, told you you was broke, you busted, can't stand you, I hate you. They say all of these things to each other in relationships and in their friendships with their besties and all that, and you turn around and you trust this person again? Are you serious? I mean, where do the teen community draw that limit for themselves and say? Hold on, I can't be a part of this this type of conversation right here because at the end of the day if something go down, you know, what am I supposed to believe? You know what I mean? So you have a lot of friends in the teen community who abuse one another verbally. And, you know, and I say some of the schools the teachers are always say, Why do they talk to each other like that? And Miss Queen, they be in the hallway, they say it's play fighting but to us, it looked like fight, you know. And as soon as we come around, they'll say, oh, we playing, we playing, we playing. But all I told the teachers, they not playing. They just don't want to get in trouble. It could be a real fight going on right there, but they'll say they playing so they won't get in trouble, you know. Or they could be standing there cussing each other out and then say, it's all good, you know, it ain't nothing for real. But for real, it is something. You know, I don't know what's up with this community, this teen community here. But when you in my day, you called me to be where we gonna fight. Pretty ain't no—that's my friend and all that kind of stuff. When I was a teenager, um, so we got we gotta look at this generation and really chime into. I think they try to play a lot of mind games with you, you know, and they try to try to make you believe stuff that ain't that's not real. You know, a real fight. When somebody, when you can hear the punches, when you when they throwing each other into the lockers and you know, you mother after this that back and forth down the hallway. Oh, we just playing, we just playing when administrators come around. I mean, Chris, where do we draw the line at? With our team community.
2: Well, I think we're getting to that point now. I think we're getting to the point where we're starting to recognize this playful behavior because I was playful like that, Well, I was playful like that, but I realize now there's not playfulness, but I was like that, you know, don't make me go have sex with her, and I point to a girl on the other side of the hallway, or on the other side of the classroom, you know, or push a girl up against the locker, or, you know, something, then we look at that and say, oh, that's minor, that's nothing serious, you know, oh, that's cute, you know, you know, that's, it's, it's not cute, it's not minor, it, it's, should be taken note of, and it's a warning sign of the people involved, possibly their future relationships. You know, we need to examine our teams more carefully. You know, we need more role models out here for the males and for the ladies so they can see how men and ladies behave. You know, we need leaders in our community, basically, you know, we're a group of men raised by women, a group of women raised without a man in the house, and we expect our kids to have normal functioning relationships when they don't have an example of that. You know, everything in life you learn pretty much you learn by example. When you go to school, and you are being taught math. They give you examples of the math problem. When you get homework and go home in the books are examples of the problem. You know, if the paper says underline the word that doesn't fit, there's an example of the word that doesn't fit and how you should underline it. Everything in life is taught by example. And if you don't have functional examples of relationships, functional examples of marriages, functional relationships, examples of uh, adult uh, uh, management, like your boss and stuff like that, then it's going to be hard for you to pick that up. And sometimes you become a late bloomer, so now you're 30. You realize that, let's take myself, for example, you know, in whatever age I was in 2000, when I realized that this life, I can't live this life no more. This life is getting played out. It's not getting me anywhere. Um, I need to correct some things. You know, and so from that point on, I set out to create a new trail or a new path in life. But prior to that, I was going nowhere fast. Why? Because I was in relationships and didn't have an example of what a relationship was like. I got into a marriage, didn't really know what a marriage was about. Didn't have any counseling, didn't have any therapy, none of that. I just said, okay, I met her. Six months later, we married. Three months later, we beating each other up six months later. Now we're not together no more, and she pregnant. You know, ridiculousness. Ridiculousness. At some point, you got to say, you know what, I need to find an example for myself. You know, see, you have single women out here with a son, and they don't have a man in their life, and that's fine. And you'll hear them say, I don't need a man, but they don't stop and think. Your son needs a man, and so because you don't want to get in a relationship, your obligation becomes to put them in a program, Boy Scouts of America, get them a big brother, do the big brother-sisters program, get them a mentor. Uh, There are a bunch of organizations out here who provide resources for males that don't have fathers in their home or males that do have fathers in their home because you can never have too many examples. And the same thing for women, you know, young ladies, you're raising women, raising female children with no male in the house. They're not seeing what a male image is about. Ladies, you need to put your daughter around some type of guy. It could be an uncle. It could be a cousin. It could be a grandfather. But it needs to be a reliable male with structure and functionality in his life to provide that example. So when they come across a guy like me when I was 19 and they ask me the wrong question, I go, slap them, they walk away. They say no. I'm not gonna deal with that. Instead of me hitting them and then having to tell them a nice sad soft story about how I had a bad day and I was angry, which is probably all lies, but they buy it. Why? Because they love the way you lie, and then you do it again, and now and then this vicious cycle of abuse. So if we do it the right way from the ground up, we don't never have these problems in our life.
1: Wow, Dave, is it? That's very. You said something very profound. It, do they love the way we lie as abusers? I mean, is that a fact, Chris? I mean, because that's, that's profound
2: right there. I mean, you know, always one of my confessions that I initially made on this segment maybe some years ago was that if you look at the video of Rihanna Eminem, I Love the Way You Lie?, I guess that's the proper name of the song. That depicts my first marriage completely, and it's the truth. They love the way we lie. They like to hear, I'm sorry, I promise I won't do it again. They want to believe that. They know in their mind, you can't, I can't, no, I can't. And they say it, no, you have said that ten times already, I'm leaving this time. And then you come up with the perfect word or the perfect verse. And you drop that line on them, and they say, okay, I'm going to give you any level of chance. But they don't say that. They say, okay, we're going to work it out. But what they're really saying is, okay, I'm going to give you any level of chance to whip me. And then it happens again. And the same thing happens, and then we come up with that perfect, I mean, it'd be a lie so bomb, you'd be impressed that you came up with it. And they fall for it because they love the way you lie.
1: Uh, I, I mean, that, that's pretty profound right there That's pretty profound That's sticking out in my head um, For whatever reason Again, if you're just joining us This is Domestic Balance with a mini-tags talk show The abuser side We're here with Chris Barnes, former abuser of women Queen of Fee, former abuser of men Women <laughs> My children <laughs> You put it in my way It might get dealt with um, At that time And we have America Who's not paying attention We have households and stuff Where we're not paying attention To the conversations that we're having A lot of our conversations Is aggressive And it comes off in a way Where we're tearing the other person down Now granted you know Some people play with each other like that And all of those things But you just never really know how that other person is perceiving it, especially if they come to you in, like, one of their most broken times and want your advice. You just never really know how that other person is perceiving your negative comment or your negative conversation or, you know, you, you're joking. You you do verbal abuse disguised as a joke, you know, and that person is taking it in a way where, um it's hurtful. Now you had some parents again that, and some teens that abuse one another in those relationships. And just as Chris was saying, we got to put them in healthy ways. You know, give them the outlet for the healthy communication, showing them how to do it, as well as you learning. So it's going to start, I think, with the parents first because you are the eldest of the household. So, you know, helping to get your communication on track helps to get the children or the teens' communication on track. Just by you being here tonight, of course, you're learning a lot from the abuser side. Um, And, again, as an abuser, I intimidated men. Um, I told men things, and, and, of course, the intimidation is going to come be followed with some threats. And be followed with that. Don't make me come to your job. Don't make me come to your house. Don't make me call this person. Don't make me do that. It's that. And then, of course, there's yelling, a lot of yelling over that victim. I'll do this. I'll do that. And, you know, you're loud with it. And then it could be some hand movement in there, too, with your hands going back and forth in the victim's face. Then it could be um where you just have this victim, Feeling backed up in a corner because you're helping to intimidate them, and, by, and what you're doing by intimidating that victim is grooming a victim. That's what you're doing. You know, you're grooming that victim to become what you want them to become, or what you need them to become as the abuser. Um, so, do we? Use intimidation as a follow up for control? Yeah, because then comes control. It's another warning sign. So I know that I can get in your face, which is sort of like the bullying piece, too. I know that I can get in your face, threaten you, make you feel so bad, or make you feel so low. I could bring up something. You might is one thing that I know we do as abusers. The victim might have confided in us that. Their parents used to beat them or their father used to beat them, or, you know, and their uncle raped them or their cousin might have raped them, things that. So the victim might confine in us as the abuser, right? And we act like we care. The abuser's acting like he or she cares about this victim, you know, and like, okay, wow, you know, I I. Hey, really? Is that what happened to you? Mm, Oh, my. Your family. Okay, wow. So we giving them that type of love right there. Now, as time goes, the abuser will use their story against the victim. So now the abuser is throwing that story in your face. That's why they raped you. That's why they did this. That's why they beat you because you dumb. You stupid. You can't follow instructions. You don't listen well. So now the abuser is taking something precious that you can find in them and intimidating you with it
2: so you can do what they want you to do. Chris, does that make sense? It does. But I think one thing that needs to be realized is that it's all intimidation. Talking loud to you isn't meant to intimidate you. Raising my hand to you is meant to intimidate you. Sitting you down in a corner is meant to intimidate you. It's all intimidation. So we can't overlook certain things. You know, we can't say, well, he yelled at me. It's the reason why people yell. If your boss yells at you, it's the reason why your boss yells at you, because they want to intimidate you. They want to get compliance out of you. You know, when we were slaves, they whipped us. You know, that was like intimidation forever. You know, and I think some of us still suffer from that intimidation, but you know, we, we got to, again, we got to be focused. We got to be sober and vigilant because this is your life you're dealing with, and you only get one life. You know, you only get one chance. You get one chance at life, but you get many chances to do life right. But if you get caught up in a bad relationship and your life get taken away, then, of course, you don't get to try that again. You know, and there's many senseless acts, many behaviors out here that, I'm called to speak to, and I'm saying, why? I shouldn't even be like, I shouldn't even be a speaker for this topic because this topic shouldn't exist. You know, I get called to the corner of Minnesota and T Street Southeast to speak because a young lady got shot on a bus or getting on a bus. Why am I being called to speak to this? This shouldn't even be happening. So, really, I should be uh, speaking on another topic. Why? Again, because this shouldn't be happening. Be, but because it's happening, and because I'm a, a connected to it in a formal part of my life, and I understand it now, I'm here to speak and educate on the topic. But this shouldn't even be a discussion, you know. When when the creator created the world, he didn't desire for it to be crazy like this. We're not supposed to be shooting each other and beating each other up and shutting each other up and time-outing each other up and things like that. We're not supposed to be forcing our girlfriends and wives to have sex with us and breaking and striking objects and and all that kind of craziness. We're not supposed to be controlling. We're supposed to be loving, peaceful, and kind with each other. But somewhere along the way, we lost our way, and this is the result. Am I proud of my past? No, but I'm not ashamed of it either. And I'm so not ashamed of it, I come to you once a month to educate you on the topic. So you've got to get this in your head. Right. Good, good,
1: good. Um, if there's any questions right now, we're going to open the lines to just feed you don't have to ask any questions. I realize that there may be some victims that are with us tonight getting educated. We certainly appreciate you being here because this information that we giving out from a woman's perspective who is an ex-abuser, and then from Chris, who is an ex-abuser of women, from our perspective, you're hearing it from the horse's mouth. It is abuse. If anything that you heard here tonight that resonates with your spirit or somebody that you know or that has happened to you, you identify with, you can feel it in your spirit. You can feel it in your spirit, and don't try to, or put it to the back of your mind or suck it all the way down in the gutter. Now pay attention to it anymore. You gotta reach out for help in secret. And you can at one eight hundred seven nine nine faith, One eight hundred seven nine nine faith, Or you certainly can do that at with Queen of Fee at two zero two eight two one eight nine three three. Chris, give out your number. 571-337-3604. three
2: six oh four. Five seven one.
1: And you can certainly do it with Chris Bonds. We stand here as um, sharing the abuser side of it because it's education. How are we going to break the cycle of domestic violence if we don't educate people on the abuser side? Huh? We we not gonna break no cycle of domestic violence. Only talking to victims because it's nothing for the abuser to get a victim. It is nothing for us to go out and intimidate. Uh, for me, a man, it's nothing for me to intimidate a man and make him a victim. I'm sure it's nothing for Chris to do it. You see what I mean? So how do we begin to break that cycle of domestic violence in the many tags that it was? By educating victims and abusers. By advocates and President Obama being on his call tonight and getting the information so we can start getting the victims' help and abusers' help. That's how we going to break the cycle. Let me open the line if you want to say something, ask a question or make a comment, you can certainly do that. I'm going to open the line. If you don't want to, you don't have to. One at a time. Would there be a question or a comment? Hello? Yes, peace and love. Hello,
0: can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you, peace and love. Thanks for chiming in with us. Speaking of you as well, I do have a question in reference to both of you. Actually, you and you might have said this, but I actually just joined the call. You as the abusers, what 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 happened in your life to put you in that situation to make you turn the way that you did? Because something had to trigger your emotions to make you an abuser. Yeah,
1: um, I'll answer first, person. And you the course. There's a line of research that shows um, that abusers have been victims.
0: Many, uh-huh. abusers
1: have, many abusers have have been victims themselves, and uh-huh. so we we either can pick up let's what we say the victim behavior, or we either can pick up the aggressive, the abusers behavior. Okay, um, uh-huh. and me, I started out as a victim. A domestic okay. violence. I was taking okay. the punches and getting hit over my head and dragged mm-hmm. by my hair, stomped in my face. And I'm gonna post my pictures back up tonight where yeah, I was abused. But okay. then I said to myself, because something traumatic happened, so I say to myself, I'm gonna make a conscious decision. I'm gonna quit
0: mm-hmm. men.
1: So okay. Okay. I decided that every relationship that I got in, I was gonna victimize men, and I, I got good at it. I got good uh-huh. at controlling, intimidating, verbally abusing, and dictating men. And so it lasted for a very long time. Chris, you want to
2: respond? Uh, yes. Now, I know you just said you just got on the line, so let me recap something for you.
1: Uh-huh. One of
2: the I know you said you just got on the line, so I want to recap something for you. Yes. Yeah. You said, um, earlier I said, if you're a mother and you're uh-huh. raising a male child, you might hear the woman say, oh, I don't need a man, and that's fine. Nobody needs you to be in a relationship, but you need to realize that your son needs a male role model, and that male uh-huh. role model could be a brother, uncle, cousin. It could be a big brother from big brothers to big sisters. It could be a boy style leader. It could be anybody that's suitable for that job. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. To answer your question, in my life, there was nobody that was suitable for that job. There was no
0: dad.
2: The only uncle I had that was really a role model, he moved to another country when I was young. So and I grew up with my mother, sister and grandmother for the most part. So I had very little male role models in my life, very little male leadership in my life. Um I had no example well I did have an example of marriage. My mother was married for a period of time to uh what was my stepdad but that wasn't really a good example of marriage. Um, so with no guidance and no instruction, and you're placed in a situation and it gets complicated, you handle it the way you know how to handle it, and that was the way I knew how to handle it.
0: Okay, but let me ask you this: By you not even seeing anybody, unless you unless you didn't say that, did you see people in your family get abused? Because still, that I, I understand what you're saying because I, I'm raised a male son, so I get it. But what's going to make him go out and say, okay, now I have to be angry and I have to be a woman? What makes him say that? What made you say that unless you saw it?
2: Okay, I got you, completely got you now. There was a period of time in my life where because I didn't have role models, I was in the streets.
0: Okay, And the people who I
2: associated with in the streets, this is the behavior that they use. Okay. So I figured it looked like it was working for him, so I might as well go out here and pop me one or two. Okay. Oh wow, okay. that really works. But in the hindsight, did it really work? No, because I'm not with either one of my wives anymore. I'm not with none of my kids' mother anymore. Um, you know, I'm I'm am with my kids, but I'm not with mm-hmm. their mothers anymore. So it doesn't really work. No, you know, it doesn't work.
0: Okay, and and, and I, now I understand it because I knew it had to start somewhere. It, it couldn't have just okay, well. I don't have a dad in my life. I'm going to start beating women. Something had to trigger that or you had to see it somewhere for that to be a part of your life. But I do want to commend you both for being a victim of a victim because you're victims too. You understand? And and a lot of victims don't come out and tell their stories as well because at the end of the day, you're a victim just as well. And that is something that we have to do. We have to change all of that. So I
1: commend both of you. Thank you. for the question and is there
2: another question? Three countries. The price is one. Holy C on. Oh There's somebody with a really loud TV. Oh, so y'all can't so y'all can hear me on here, huh? Hello? Yes. What's up, brother? How you doing? I'm doing all right. I didn't know y'all could hear me. I thought it was you know. Oh, my name is Sa- my name is Samuel Payne. How you, how you doing, Mr Payne? What's your, What's your, question, your question or comment? Well, no, I'm I'm just I'm I'm really getting educated and listening to this, and you know I agree with a lot of things. You know, Um it, it was some really good topics hit on this, and you know angles and stuff that's uh, relevant to everybody's uh, life out here, and you know the mass majority of us. Okay, well we appreciate you listening, brother. I just asked that if you. Uh, to mute your phone because it, it was some feedback coming from you. We'd appreciate it, but we do uh, appreciate you being on the line.
1: Yes, I had to mute um everybody, Chris. I unmuted everybody, remember, because we were trying to take question or comment. But we do have another question or comment. It says, "Um, did abusing people make you feel better? How did you get over that high?" Okay, and I'll start with me answering. Um. Did abusing people make me feel bad? Heck, yeah. It made me feel good because as the abuser, I don't got to look at my situation and what I'm doing and what I need to be working on. So, yeah, we leave with an ego. It's a high. We trip. Yeah. So when you break my ego by talking about you going to leave and, you know, your mother telling you, you going to your father telling you, you better leave her because she crazy. How you put up with somebody like that? And you really tried you really try me, it's gonna be consequences behind it. So what is that? That's a double hack, you know. So yes, it, it makes the abuser feel quite great because we lead with an ego, which that ego provides a hack for the abuser. Chris, you wanna answer?
2: <sighs> That's a hell of a question. I, and I like the question. I've never been asked that question before. Um Like you said, it was a hell of a high, Um, but it didn't really, she used the word that I can't recall now, but it made me feel powerful. It made me feel powerful, like Superman powerful. Yeah, I just controlled you. I just put it down on you now. You're going to do what I say do. We won't have this problem out of you anymore. You know, that kind of, like, powerful, kind of like, when the I, this is probably a bad example, but when the police beat somebody up, they kind of feel like they did something. We all know that they just as long as two left shoes, but so was I. You know how did I get over that? A lot of therapy and a lot of failed relationships afterwards.
1: How you get over Chris?
2: A lot of therapy. And a lot of failed relationships afterwards, because afterwards there was a lot of therapy. But you go into the next relationship, you said I'm not going to do this this time, and you kind of slip up and do something, and you say, okay, that wasn't right. Let me try it again, and you get with somebody else. But keep in mind, ninety percent of my relationships was quick involvement relationships, so I ain't had too much time to try to figure things out and try to get it right. So it was a lot of therapy and a lot of fair relationships. I think my last major relationship was seven years with my two youngest kids' mom. It was pretty much abuse-free, no verbal, no physical, none of that, none of that, none of that. I mean, we had arguments as a couple. Yes, we did. But it wasn't no calling her names and locking her in the basement, and she wasn't going for that anyway.
0: Right, right. And our
1: sister said that um she asked the, asked us the question, you know, how did where did it come from and us? Did we see it? Of course there's a lot of cases um abusers have been victims themselves. But then there's some cases where that that has not happened. Where this person hasn't seen abuse or anything like that. It's just something some people like to say, you know, just to put that out there, something genetic could be genetically maybe streamed into that person's life where they have, you know, maybe a bad attitude. It could start off with maybe a bad attitude. And their mom could be nice. Their father could be nice. You know, their mom and dad never fought, never anything like that happened in their house or, you know, their mom sent them to to some of the best schools in the world and, you know, but it could be some, some something within them. You know, it could be some mental issue with them you know, that shows up and they become aggressive or abusive. Having lived in a household where that never happened at. So it's, it's it's different kind of cases out here. Um, but there's a vast amount of research that do point to victim I mean abusers being victims. But there's some cases where that has not that that didn't happen like that. You know, no abuse was taking place in their child's life and they end up being abusers. Um, So it's just different Cases out here but we we just need To be the the issue That we have right now is In relationships Parent child relationships um, Intimate partner relationships Same sex relationships We see In this verbal abuse progress Amongst people No one is taking each other's um, Feelings into Consideration we're not approaching a person in a way where, okay, how are you doing today? Um, How are you feeling? Or I have a concern with you. I wanted to talk to you about it. We approach each other like, what's going on with you? And what you mean? And then we approach people automatically judging them, automatically blaming them, automatically criticizing them, which then puts their child on defense. It puts their mom or dad on defense. It puts grandma and grandpa on defense. It puts the police on defense. It puts the judge on defense. It makes people go on defense, you know. And so at that time, you know, we 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 looking at you like, okay, so we 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 getting ready to get into something. You know, is it getting ready to progress or what? Is it getting ready to turn physical or what? So we got to be mindful of the conversations that we're having with one another. We want to be respectful of the other person's feelings, of the other person's concerns, and we want to address them in a more encouraging way, in a more enlightening way. The other thing that I want you to take with you today is don't ignore those warning signs. Chris and I have put out some great warning signs here to you, and don't ignore the warning signs. If you see something like Chris said, if this rebel sister is talking aggressive to their children, you know, because you got some sisters out here that cuss their children out terrible. I mean, they let their children have it. Just complete disrespect. If you with a woman who doing that to her children, she will probably end up doing it to you too, you know. So we got to pay attention to those warning signs. Or the people that we have in our circle, or the baby mama, baby daddy thing, we gotta pay attention to that, you know. And I have um, one of my victims who called me, and I and I have to ask my victims questions like this: Does your abuser allow you allow you to go to school? Does your abuser allow you to work a job? I have to ask my victims questions like that because I know that that abuser is in tip-top control over that sister or that brother. You see what I mean? And what I want to do is build trust with that victim and let them know that I'm going to respect the boundaries of that abuser because I don't want to get you killed. I don't want to get you killed. I don't want to get you beat. So my question to my victim, is your abuser, I mean, hopefully you're calling me and your abuser is nowhere to be found. Hopefully you're storing my number and, you know, it, it maybe you can't keep it in your phone. Maybe you can keep it in your phone under another name, you know. So posing those type of questions to my victims that are, you know, I want to say 16 and above who are in some of these abusive relationships, even with some of my victims that are being abused by their mom and their dad. They can't let them know that they're talking to me. I say don't let them know that you have reached out to me, what we do is in private. See, so it's a very delicate situation where you don't want to cross the boundaries of the abuser. So we have to change that language when we say, just leave, just leave, just leave, just leave. We cannot tell victims to do that because it gets that victim killed. We can't sit the victim down and say, let's divide the plane. We we can't do that. Victims have got to be educated. They've got to, they, they've got to feel, you know, empowered. they got to feel like, you know, that they can leave a relationship with the abuser having no clue. You know, and some of the teams have to go off to um, foster care or some of them have to go to, in D.C., Sasha Bruce. Um, some of the teams are running away left and right. And, I mean, they're running away to... An adult woman or to an adult male They're not running away To somebody their same age They're to away To somebody that's older To an abuser A potential abuser So we gotta get smart In the way that we deal with Victims and helping them Come out of the abusive Relationships helping them understand That hey I want you to Take your situation as serious As I'm taking it as an advocate. Now, will your abuser let you work a job? The victim say, no, I can't work a job. Will your abuser let you go to school? All he does is let me go to school, or all she does is let me go to school. And he or she is calling me every single hour on the hour to make sure that I'm still in school. Or she came and pulled up in front of the school and watched me walk out to make sure that I was still at the, she does this every day, five days a week that I'm on my job or I'm at school, my abuse is checking up on me. See, and and as advocates, as teachers, you know, as educators on domestic violence, we got to start really taking the situation very seriously. I understand there's programs out here that need to get money, so you need victims to devise a plane. I get that. But it's getting victims killed. It's getting them killed left and right. Victims know their abusers better than we do. Victims have to be empowered to leave that abuser with that abuser having no clue that they had decided that they're going to leave. Everything has to look and appear the same to the abuser in order for that victim to escape their relationship. And victims will call me and say, Queen, I'm ready to sell my wedding set. I'm ready to sell you know, this TV. I'm ready to do whatever I got to do to get away from this person, to move clean across the town to another state to get away from this person. See, victims have to build up that courage in order to leave that domestic violence relationship. Now, there's some victims who can just pick up and leave, you know, and their abuser won't come after them, okay? But there's a lot of cases where the abuser will come after you because the abuser knows your mother lives at. The abuser knows where your auntie live at. The are abusing where your church is at. The abuser knows uh, uh, where your job at. The abuser pretty much knows everything about you because we have to control everything you do so that you won't try to get away. All right, so I'm going to leave you all with that. Um, Chris, you got any close-out remarks?
2: Well, I do, but I, need, I, need a, I, know, I know you got to go because you got a family and all that, but I need to steal 10 minutes because this has just been put into my spirit. And what I want to do is I want to have like an altar call, not an altar call where you come and I pray for you and give your life to the Lord, but an altar call where you come and you ask us questions because we're here. And I feel like there are more questions out there that need to be asked or want to be asked, but there are voices out there that don't want to be spoken. And there's a chat room on that you can go into. Uh, you can hit my Facebook Messenger, send me a text message, or send Queen a text message but I just want to give one last chance for somebody to ask a question because I feel like there's somebody out there that is on this call every week and wants to get out but hasn't really addressed it. And so if you don't mind, can you open the lines up one more time? The lines
0: is open.
2: Anybody with a question, now is the time. Well, I I have a question, Queen. This is um, Peter Gordon. Uh, I am... just wanted to know you know I know that I have a desire to get better my thing is verbal abuse and true the young lady that I'm with there were some things in the beginning where she was dishonest and she caused a lot of trust to be um, torn down and even though I understand that and she was in a dark place and she's getting healing and she's, she's better um, because that distrust is there I fall and when I fall man Um, and so my question is, how do we know that we are healable? You know, if the desire is there and you're putting in the work and you're trying to work the process, but, um, there's a situation that comes up that kind of triggers your reaction.
0: uh, How do we know that or how can we assure ourselves that we can actually do better, get better? Wow.
2: Okay. Now, I guess one thing I didn't say during this call is that I also coach relationships. So that's a good question. And speaking from a ex abuser of women and a current relationship coach, the first thing I would suggest you do, my friend, is if you're around people that cause you to fall, then get around somebody else. You know, she might be pretty, she might be fat to death, she might have all the things you want, but if she causes you to fall, that's major. That's extremely major, and. I would rather get with a sub looking woman that boosts me up than a beautiful woman that causes me to fall. Secondly, are you healable? I believe you're healable because I'm a man called called by God. So I I stand on that point, that you are healable. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some prayer. It might even take some uh, other supplication. I gave a sermon. Uh, last year in October at Queen's Dash Church, and it was called this kind. There's a passage in the Bible that talks about this kind. Um, When the disciples were sent out to help uh, a guy, I can't remember what his disorder was, but they said, oh, no, we can't do it. And we couldn't do it because they didn't understand.
0: Somebody's
1: background is really loud.
2: Yeah, I I hear it. Um, But they didn't understand this kind. And for you, my friend, I don't know if this kind of behavior is good for you or if it's bad. Well, not good for you or bad for you. Of course it's bad for you. But I don't know if it's something that you learned in life through childhood or something you picked up as an adult. If you learned it as a child, it's going to be a little harder to overcome it because it's been still in you for so many years plus adulthood. If you learned it as an adult, it might be a little easier for you. Um, you have a job, I'm assuming, you have what's called EAP on your job. That's a good place to start. Um, You have health coverage, you know, you can get therapy. Therapy is a good place to start. But control your therapy. Go in there and talk about what you need to talk about that's going to help your situation. When I go to therapy, my therapist always wants to talk about my childhood. I don't like to talk about my childhood, but I know my childhood is going to help me now as an adult, so I have to press through it. You know, that's a couple of pointers that I will point out to you, you know, and primarily the first one, if somebody causes you to fall, you know, I used to be a drug, well, I used to have chemical dependency issues. I don't want to say I used to be a drug addict. And so now I don't hang around people that deal with that kind of thing because I know I was once there and it could be easy for me to relapse into that. I used to struggle with sex addiction, so I don't go to strip clubs. I don't look at porn. I don't do nothing dealing with nudity because I know that that's an issue for me. So if I get around one of my fellas and they say, oh, we about to go to strip club," I'm about to get on the bus. Y'all have fun Call me when y'all done. We might meet up. We might can't meet up. But now that I know that's the lifestyle y'all live do I really want to continue to associate with that? You know, the Bible tells us wrongful association spoils useful habits. So if you're hanging with somebody that's going, to not, that's going to cause you to fall and fail, walk away from that person. But I mean, I, I don't know if it's a wife. I don't know you. I don't know if you have kids, Bob. But it's better that you be alone than to be with somebody and be incorrect.
1: Thank you so much for that comment, Chris. Um, and I concur with um, Chris saying that you this is a relationship that can cost you everything. It can cost you everything. We have so many men and women that end up in relationships where that person loses everything. The abuser loses everything. The victim loses everything. And the abuser is saying, how did I do this? What happened? What was we going through? You know, I lost this. I lost that. I almost lost my life. I almost killed that person. Because suddenly verbal abuse can lead to the physical. It always does in a lot of cases. If there's a lot of verbal abuse in your relationship, I'm subject to know that there's physical abuse in that relationship as well. Okay. And so you got to think about what's more important for you in your life. Is it you losing everything or is it you sharing your story and helping to break that cycle for people that are going through bad violent relationship? So what, what what do you want your obituary to say at the end of the day? Yeah, you struggle with some stuff in your life, and that's good because we all can use a good struggle because we all need to share our stories. We all got a story to tell. But at some point, when do you break that cycle for yourself? Or are you going to die being known as a person in your funeral, or it was abusive, an abuser, and um, he verbally cussed every girl out that he was with. He was in a relationship with her. He cussed her out every time he turned around. He was this, that. And they whispering all this about you in your funeral, you know, and your children could be there. You know, your loved ones could be there, especially your children. Do you want this kind of story to get back to your children? that this is the way that you live your life, no, I'm sure you don't. So that right there should be the means and the push for you to say, I need to get away from this person. And I don't care what I have to do to do it. I need to get away from this person. I need to start breaking some serious cycles in my life. And this applies to everybody on the coast who's in an abusive relationship that's verbally abusive all the time. You're abusing this person or all the times you're being abused by this person, there is emotional damage being done, and there's physical damage being done, along with that verbal abuse. Okay, so at the end of the day, you know, do you want to have lived out your legacy like this, you know, or do you want to have a, a, a have something, have your children stand up if you have children? Do you want to have them stand and say, "Where well, it was this way," but let me tell you, the change. That my mom, that my dad made, which changed me and let me know that I never want to be in an abusive relationship. I never want to hurt anybody. Don't you want your children to say that? As opposed to your child being locked up for domestic violence and they see, oh, I seen my mother go through domestic violence, I seen my father go through domestic violence. Now your children going through domestic violence, they in relationships where they being verbally abused and intimidated by somebody. You see, the cycle goes on. The cycle goes on. So where does it end? It ends with you. It ends with you taking a stand and say, verbal abuse. I'm not going to indulge because it leads to those other tags that I named here today. It it leads to the warning sign of intimidation. If the abuser know that he or she can intimidate you, then they know that they control you. They know that they can um, victimize you at all costs. Okay, and, again, if you want some um, help, some consultation, you can definitely reach out to Queen at 202-821-8933. Everything that I do is in confidence. I like to help victims
0: secretly. Oh, uh, Queen, I like I, 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 uh,
2: actually, I don't know if the brother he's still listening, but I like to personally help him. I, he, he was humble enough to step out and address a question about an inadequacy that he's struggling with in his life. And I really like the help on that. And if you're still listening, my phone number is 571 337 3604. You can send me a Facebook request or a Facebook message. You can text me. Um, I mean, it's tons of ways to contact me. But, bro, reach out to me again. My number is 571 337 3604. And not just him. Anybody, but that brother, because he was humble enough to stand up and say, this is the problem that I'm having, and I want to help. So I want to help.
1: All right. Thank everybody for chiming in tonight. I want you to do me a favor. Tell somebody that domestic violence with many tags. And go in peace and love. Go in peace and love, my brothers and sisters. And thank you for chiming
0: in tonight. Peace and love.